Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. We're going to explore a debilitating pain syndrome called Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, CRPS, formerly known as Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy, RSD. CRPS is a chronic progressive disease that can result in extreme sensitivity to any type of touch, like an undershirt, bedsheet, or even a strand of hair lead to arm or leg swelling, weakness, and changes to the skin or nails. What's alarming is that CRPS can be triggered by something as innocent as a sprain or even surgery. We'll hear an amazing story from Cynthia Toussaint, a ballerina who was launching her career when she injured her thigh muscle, developed CRPS, and fell into a darkness and despair that transformed her life. We'll then talk to Dr. Robert Schwartzman, professor and chairman of the Department of Neurology at Drexel University, and learn not only about treatments, but about a controversial new therapy called ketamine coma. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. Imagine yourself at 21, injuring a thigh muscle and feeling searing pain that resulted in being bedridden, wheelchair-bound, and unable to speak. This happened to our guest, Cynthia Toussaint, a ballerina who developed CRPS and conquered it. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Christo. It's such a pleasure for me to be here. Before I ask you to talk about your, what really is an astonishing story, tell me what life was like for you before the onset of your pain. Okay, and first of all, I love that you said Cynthia Toussaint, a ballerina, because once a dancer, always a dancer. That training discipline always sticks with you, and I think that's a a big reason that I'm alive today. My life before my RSD was perfect. I was dancing about four to five hours every day. I was a student at UC Irvine getting my diploma in dance, um, and I was in my last year, my senior year, and I was going to auditions in Hollywood for television and film roles. I had a perfect life, <laughs> and my whole life seemed, was in front of me. Wow, so you were in effect launching your career in multiple areas, ballet, acting, performing? Yeah, and in fact, I was up for a part, and I knew I was going to get it. And If you remember the show, it dates, it this dates me, but the show Fame, yes. there was a movie Fame, and then there was a show, and they were looking for a new regular character, and that was going to be me. So I was about to, I was really launching my career as an off to the stars. What happened then uh, with respect to an injury that occurred while you were I think, was it practicing or performing? Yeah, we, well, we, I wasn't performing. I was at the ballet bar. We never say practicing. <laughs> but I was stretching, actually. And I was doing something that I did every single day, and it was a, a particular stretch at the bar. And my head was sort of down at my right leg. My left leg was behind me on the bar. And as I stretched up, the instructor said, Pull, um, stretch your back out to the class, and I thought, ah, and I just was enjoying that stretch, and I felt and heard sort of a pop uh, behind my knee, and it was actually in my hamstring, but I didn't even know where a hamstring was at the time, Um, and it was 
really frightening, and I kind of felt that everybody in the world, you know, at least in that room, had heard that pop. But nobody did. They acted as if nothing had happened, and my entire world had changed. I had, I had sustained some minor injuries as a ballerina, which is sort of unusual because we ballerinas have so many injuries. But this was the very first really serious injury that I had. So um, I went to see my ballet trainer, and he told me that I tore my hamstring, and that's when I said, what is a hamstring? And he said that I might not dance for up to eight weeks, and I thought, there's no way, and there's no way, and you know what, that, that you're right, because I was a dancer, that's what I did, and I couldn't imagine not being able to dance for eight weeks. Was your ballet trainer supportive? Was the ballet trainer uh, someone who believed that you were experiencing pain? He did believe that I was experiencing pain, but he thought it was a fairly minor injury. I mean, he was just going to get me back in class, and and obviously I was going to be a professional dancer soon, and he wanted to make sure that I got off to that to that career. Did you have any recommendations with respect to medications? No, and I was in a lot of pain. I remember the very first night after tearing my hamstring, I remember sitting down... Um, that evening I was with roommates on campus and to be honest I sat down in the toilet and I screamed out in pain and by then see I'd been lying on my left side because it happened in my right leg and I remember I kind of I fell asleep when I got home and um, it was just it was so painful it was it was something I'd never experienced before. Did you search for answers at that point? I didn't search past uh, the dance uh, doctor, and eventually I couldn't do, I, could, I was in so much pain that I, I wasn't able to dance four or five hours a day. I mean, what a joke. My, my leg was shaking, and I was always in you know, complete control of my body as my instrument, but I wasn't anymore. And I could still get my extension, but my, my leg was shaking. I didn't have control of it, and I had this horrific burning if pain, like I was being burned from the, the inside out. And that's why I, I, I couldn't dance anymore at school. I couldn't take these high-level ballet classes. And I was going to audition still because I'm very, very driven. I wasn't going to give up my career, you know, my career as a stage performer. What a joke. Ha ha. You know, I mean, I wasn't going to do that. I thought I had control, you know, of my destiny. I have since learned that we don't always have control, you know. But it, it was so excruciating. I remember my leg was twitching all the time and turning purple, and I was sweating profusely. And I, there was something very, very wrong with me, but trying to hang on. That career. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking to Cynthia Toussaint, a ballerina who developed CRPS after injuring her thigh muscle. At what point were you no longer able to work? When, it's, when the pain of a ballet injury, quote-unquote ballet injury, spread into my left leg, it made no sense. It was completely illogical. I had to go to my employer and say, I now have the hamstring injury in my left leg. I mean, it's, it's completely illogical because I didn't have my diagnosis. I, I could barely walk at that point. So that's when I knew I had no choice and I had to give up the career. And I moved back into my mom's home in Northern California at that point. What happened when you were living at home in terms of your relationships with your, with your mother, your father, and your siblings? 
Well, my father died when I was really young, so it was my mother and my siblings who were still living there. And at first they were really supportive. My friends from back home were really supportive. And Cynthia's back, you know, and she's got this injury. It didn't seem like a big deal to them. And they were there for me. Um, But as time went on, they stopped dropping by. They stopped calling me because I wasn't getting well. And the doctors were saying that, that I was crazy. I mean, I was told, and this went on for 13 and a half years, but it had begun, you know, and this is so typical with, with uh, people with pain, especially women, um, I was told that, it was, that, I, that I was making all of the pain up, and it was a psychological problem. It was all in my head. I was actually told that I had stage fright. That one really made me angry. One doctor actually said to me, you're only a woman anyway. It doesn't really matter. Why don't you just shoot yourself in the head? That, that frightened me. And then when my arm folded up after the... Um, after the, uh, the RSD had spread, it folded up into a permanent contracture, and another doctor said, you're folding up your arm with your mind just the way one levitates oneself. And I thought, whoa, I know how those tricks are done, and it, it isn't this way. You know, so that's when I sort of realized that, wow, I mean, I'm not the crazy one in this room. That, that really emboldened me, empowered me. Um, but what, what was so sad is that my, my, the ballerinas left first, my ballet the ballet, my ballet friends um, acted almost as though I had something contagious, and they left, and that was very, very painful for me. Then my friends left, and with time, and my family left me. All of them did, actually. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostic drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, on and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking to Cynthia Toussaint, a ballerina who developed CRPS after injuring her thigh muscle. Cynthia, what happened to you in terms of the physical changes that occurred to your body as a result of the RSD? My right leg just got, it got so atrophied that somebody approached me one day when I was trying to walk on the street, and I was walking a little bit, and I remember this neighbor came up to me and said, my God, Cynthia, I mean, your, your right leg is half the size of your other leg. I mean, you're in trouble. My legs would turn uh, purple a lot, then they'd turn red, they would, um, they would swell up a lot. Uh, gosh, it would feel like in my right leg, uh, my, I'm sorry, in my right foot, it so often felt like it was going to explode. It would get so swollen, and I would say to John, I know that it's going to explode. I I was just so frightened of that. And also I had the, the real severe sweating. And I would, I would go to any measure to protect um, whatever part of my body was hurting, that was hurting. And, I, and people think that that's so unusual, but it's that painful. Um, John and my mother would literally uh, wrap me in a bed sheet, and they would drag me um, from room to, so, into the bathroom so that I could use the toilet. I mean, this is not a glamorous disease. This is about as devastating as I can imagine any disease being. I wanted to read something that I read from the National Pain Foundation website, and I'd like you to comment on it. Mm -hmm. It's entitled The Dream of Never Again. My goodness, that's that's my tag (laughs) for Grace, The Dream of Never Again. Interesting. Even in her darkest moments, Cynthia didn't give up hope. I had completely fallen into this abyss and felt like I was being buried one shovel full at a time. I felt tremendous rage and despair, but I was too stubborn to take my life, she says. I'm now slowly digging myself out and coming back to life. 
I went into um, horrific rages where I would literally get, I, would, I had knee pads, or I'd get down on my bleeding knees and I would tear rooms apart. I mean, I did feel like I was being buried. I felt like I was in a grave and I didn't see a way out. I mean, my family didn't believe me. The pain was getting worse. It was spreading. It was all impossible because it was just a ballet injury. Um, none of the doctors believed me. They all said I was crazy. I didn't want to go back there because it was just abuse. You know, you wonder, why did this disease happen to me? Why would I have to lie in bed, you know, um, for 10 years, literally? Cynthia, can you please tell me what you're doing now and how you have overcome the debilitating pain that you once experienced? Well, I still experience the pain, and I generally am not at a 10, (laughs) thank goodness. As I mentioned, I reinvented myself, and once I got my diagnosis, I thought, okay, wow. Cynthia, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you to share with the listening audience what specific treatments you found most useful. What helped me the most was the combination of the the medication, the anti-seizure clonopin and the anti-seizure Neurontin. Those medications were kind of like magic for me and really good physical therapy where we used guided imagery. Eastern medicine, the alternative approach, works very well for me. And also when we take responsibility for our own pain care, we're in the driver's seat and we need, you know, more of the general practitioners to understand pain diseases like like RSD so that they can recognize it early and get us to a pain management specialist so that we can be put into remission. That's the most important thing. Well, Cynthia, thank you very, very much for sharing your story with us today. You are a remarkable person, and you've brought hope and strength to those who are suffering from RSD and chronic pain. Thank you so much, Dr. Christo, and I commend you on your great work to do aches and gains. I love that you are profiling people with pain who survive and thrive. What a positive thing that you are doing for the pain community. Thank you so very much, Dr. Thank you, too. After the break, we'll hear from Dr. Robert Schwartzman, CRPS specialist, about what can be done to treat this condition, including a controversial therapy called ketamine coma. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're talking with Dr. Robert Schwartzman, professor and chairman of the Department of Neurology at Drexel University, who is internationally known for his work with complex regional pain syndrome, CRPS. Dr. Schwartzman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Broadly speaking, can you tell us what this condition called complex regional pain syndrome, or RSD, is all about? Most often when one sees a patient with RSD, it's come from a fracture which damaged a nerve, a soft tissue injury, a sprain, a ligament injury, brachial plexus injury, whiplash injury where nerves are stretched. It's usually a some form of soft tissue damage, post-surgical problem, or direct nerve injury. What can be so frightening about this disease process is that it can result from something as minor as a sprain or a strain or as major as uh, a significant orthopedic surgery. That's exactly correct. And that's where the problem comes in because you have a small injury in one extremity and if this sets in, it can spread to your entire body. And that usually academically defeats most physicians because they can't believe that can happen, but it happens quite frequently. And uh, it is a devastating condition uh, once it starts, but that's, that's one of the major problems, that it can come from a very small injury and 
spread to the whole body. How many people does this affect? I mean, are we talking about 100,000? Are we talking about a million people? A, a million, at least. If I went to everybody's pain clinic, I would fish out many, many uh, chronic regional pain syndrome patients. It affects a huge mass of people. For the purposes of clarification, this syndrome was once known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy, or RSD, and now is known as complex regional pain syndrome. That, that's correct. There are five categories. I think a good way to look at this are, are five categories, and you need at least uh, two signs and symptoms from each category. And most people have them all, if they're, but some are more prominent than others. So pain is is certainly the major component. Second is neurogenic edema. Third thing that happens, autonomic nervous system is involved. The fourth major component is a motor problem. You can't move correctly. You can't start to move. And then the last part is dystrophy. So nails get thick and ridged. Uh, muscle tissue uh, goes away. The skin starts to look too shiny and too thin. Then the bone may start to lose calcium. Overwhelming component of this that physicians should pick up on is too much pain for a simple injury, spread, touch pain, and deep muscle pain, but out of proportion to what the person had. That's a great description. I myself have treated patients with CRPS and it's it's amazing to see, for example, their arm that almost is positioned as a claw. It's curled, the nails are long, and cannot be touched by even a sheet. It's so sensitive. That's correct. And air, that, that should be the, 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 the real problem with this is it frequently is not recognized early. And then with time, it seems that you lose inhibition. You lose an ability to turn pain off. I personally use a lot of sympathetic blocks early. The sympathetic, these small uh, fibers drive pain fibers. So when you do a sympathetic block, you may disrupt the constant stream of pain that's going to the nervous system. I use all the standard treatments, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, which make it harder for a pain fiber to fire. We use uh, all of the new anti-epileptics and primarily Neurontin and Lyrica, which also uh, make it more difficult to discharge pain transmission neurons. We use Cymbalta uh, and Elevil. When somebody has failed standard treatment, we use different ketamine protocols. And in one out of two patients, we have cured them. They are now on no medicine, back to work, completely normal people. The others, unfortunately, get well for a while, three to six months from um, the ketamine coma, but then it gradually comes back. We do a lot of work uh, as well using um, the new uh, drugs used for rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with thalidomide and lenalidomide, and they block this immune component of pain. So if someone has had, a, a patient has undergone standard therapies and their pain just does not get any better, at that point they'll be, they're candidates for ketamine? Yes, sub-anesthetic ketamine. If that works, then they're a candidate to go to sleep. So the sub-anesthetic ketamine in 
implies that they're in the it's an outpatient procedure. The mild ones is an outpatient procedure. It's done over ten days. You get four hours a day, two hundred milligrams, and you're watched in a outpatient infusion setting, and then you go home. Uh, if that's not successful, then we bring you to the intensive care unit, and you're you're awake, but we give you a lot more, forty milligrams an hour with clonidine and midazolam, you're awake, but you're groggy. And that goes on for five days, and that's been very successful. And then if if you've responded, but it doesn't hold, and you have total body disease, those are the patients we've put into coma. How safe is the ketamine coma treatment? Nobody has ever died from the ketamine. It's dangerous because you're unconscious for five days and you're intubated. About 8% to 10% get a urinary tract infection and pulmonary infections, but they've all cleared. We've done 80 people. One person died uh, from a probable uh, cardiac cause, and although she was passed by two groups of cardiologists, she had uh, cardiac issues to start with, and looking in hindsight, I don't think she would have been a good candidate. There are no deaths directly from the ketamine, but I view it as a very risky procedure. And I sit down with patients and we go over all the risks and complications in detail. Dr. Schwarzman, thank you for being with us today. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Each week we invite you to email Dr. Christo with your questions at achesandgains at gmail.com. This is a question from Diane in Cockeysville. I have been diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome of my left leg. I fell in a parking lot three years ago and hurt my ankle. The burning pain is terrible, and now my foot is weak, and I need crutches to walk. What can I do besides taking Motrin and Percocet? Diane, my suggestion is this. Seek out the expertise of a pain specialist. That doctor will probably offer you some combination of nerve blocks, specifically called lumbar sympathetic blocks, medications, and especially physical therapy to help restore function. Physical therapy is crucial. If these treatments don't provide enough pain relief, then something called a spinal cord stimulator may also be quite helpful. This is a question from Emerson in Baltimore. My son has complex regional pain syndrome of his right leg that spread to his left leg. How often does complex regional pain syndrome spread? I didn't think it could. Emerson, complex regional pain syndrome is usually confined to a hand, arm, foot, or leg. It can spread to other parts of the painful area meaning that it can start in the hand and move up the arm. It can spread to the opposite limb or even to another extremity. That is, the pain starts in the foot and now it's in the left arm. It's rare for CRPS to spread though. If you believe that the same type of pain is now in another arm or leg, make sure that you are examined by your pain doctor so that treatments can be started. This is a question from Gloria in Bel Air. I can barely move my left arm. I'm told I have CRPS. I put it close to my body so that nobody touches it. Any touch feels like a thousand pins poking my arm. It swells and turns colors. I wish I could have it taken off. 
Should I ask a surgeon to remove the arm? Gloria, many patients with CRPS ask this same question because they feel that the excruciating pain will go away if that part of the body goes away. This isn't true, and I would recommend against having surgery to remove any painful part of the body with CRPS. Even though the pain feels like it's only in your arm, the way pain is processed has changed in your body. This means that the nerves and nerve transmitters in your spinal cord and even brain have been altered. If you have your arm removed, the pain will persist because the signals from the spinal cord continue to enter the brain where pain is ultimately sensed. Some people who have amputations, for example, will complain of pain in what was once their arm or leg, even though that part of the body is gone. Why? Because the brain receives painful signals from the spinal cord and that amputated part. We do have treatments that can ease your pain and improve your life, so contact your doctor for referral to a specialist in CRPS. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vore and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.